Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome into the Landry Football Podcast. No, don't look at your calendar. It's not uh, Thursday. It is Wednesday. As we mentioned on the Scouts Eye Podcast last hour, we're doing the show we do this occasionally. We don't like to do it. This show is normally at nine live, 9 a.m. Central Time on Thursdays. But when there are conflicts, as I have this week again, um, we're going to double up and jump on, do it live this hour. Same things apply, though. We can take your questions. Join us in the chat room. Uh, we're going to – lot to get to today. We're going to talk – we're going to educate you on free agency, uh, franchise tags, um, the different types of tags, what they mean. And we're going to get through as much of it as possible. Then we're going to get to free agents, um, the free ag- what, what certain free agents mean, uh, contracts, voidable years. We're going to get into some of the stuff that, look, I don't know, it may be interesting, it may not to you, um, but I think – I don't do it very often. This is the time of year to do it. Uh, if you're a fan of the game, you're undoubtedly are going to have some questions about what your team is doing, what your team is not doing, or what any team is doing or not doing, and why, and understanding it. And there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that you may not be familiar with. Well, that's what we're going to try to do in a broad brush, um, give you an understanding of the process, understanding uh, which what uh, time permitting, I'm going to give you a uh, kind of a do's and don'ts of free agent philosophy and kind of uh, do's and don'ts, if you will, and really kind of how the whole process kind of comes into form. So uh, we're, we're going to get right to it. It's certainly going to address any questions that you have. So um, but we're going to get to it as much as possible. If not, we'll carry it over to next week. Uh, it is a little bit more technical a little bit more minutiae. It's not as fun as the games, but it's important to understand this time of year, the business of football, the importance of being able to put rosters together, to keep rosters together, because what we're looking um, at is how to put a team together. Um, So, you know, it's really important to understand that. I uh, want to remind you that uh, is part of what we do at LandryFootball.com is provide you a lot of this information in more detail. So you can go and catch that. And who are the best free agents? Um, 
the free agent boards, the draft boards, the um, analysis inside the war rooms of these teams. We got it all for you there. So check out our scouting season savings there. So the first thing you hear about is you hear with the free agency and, and as uh, uh, Tuesday was the first day that you can tag a player, franchise or transition tag. <clears throat> you kind of know what that is. You want to know specifically what it is and really um, the differences. There are three options. There's a non-exclusive franchise tag, which is this is the one that's most commonly used. When people refer to that, it's generally the non-exclusive version, and they don't usually classify it as that. Um, but it's a one-year tender offering a player for the amount no less than the average of the top five salaries at that player's position over the last five years or or 120% of the player's previous salary, whichever is greater. So the player can negotiate with other teams. I don't think people are aware of that. You put the tag on them, they can't talk with other teams. Oh, yes, they can. Okay, a player can, in the non-exclusive, that's what it means, non-exclusives can negotiate with other teams. Um, the player's current team has the right to match the offer, however. and Or if they choose not to match the offer, they get two first-round picks as compensation. So... It's kind of thought of once you put the tag on them, you've got them because no one's going to give up two first-round picks for them. So this is where you use the non-exclusive. Now, you do have an exclusive franchise tag. It's a one-year tender offered to a player for an amount no less than the average of the top five salaries at the player's position of the current year or 120% of the player's previous salary, whichever is greater. The player's team has all negotiating rights to the player. The bump and pay scale, the current average salary versus average past five years of data means you get only the creme de la creme of that. Um, who's gotten that? Drew Brees got that. Von Miller got that. Exclusive franchise tag means what? Can't talk with anybody else. Uh, you can also, not not in addition to, but you can use one of those two tags or the transition tag. Think of this transition tag as a guy you might want to keep, but you aren't willing to put all your eggs in the basket. The transition designation is, again, a one-year tender. Uh, offering a player the average of the top 10 salaries at the position as opposed to top five. That's the difference. Um, it guarantees the original club the right of first refusal to match any offer the player might receive from another team, but no compensation if the team chooses not to match. So the difference is I don't have to guarantee you as high an average but I'll put the tag on you. Somebody makes you an offer. If I think that's a fair offer, I can match it or I don't match it and I lose you. Each team can only use one of the above tags in a given year, meaning you can't have a franchise tag and a transition tag. You have one or the other. Teams can rescind 
the franchise or transition tag. Um, we've seen it. I think it happened with Josh Norman a few years ago. You put the tag on, you can pull it off. If the offer sheet hadn't been signed, if the offer sheet is signed, can't rescind it. Once the sheet is signed, the player's salary is guaranteed for that season. A rescinded tag counts as a tag, meaning if I put a tag on a player, I rescind it. I can't turn around and put it on somebody else. Um, you, The tag numbers over at LandryFootball.com, I'll save that for there, all the details instead of running out all the numbers, and, and it's not definite yet. The numbers are by position or based because the it's based on the overall number this year of a cap that's 180.5, 188. It's going to be in that range, we think. But until the forensic accountants are done, we don't know the exact number. So that gives you an idea of the tag designations and what that means. Let's discuss a little bit about Who's free agents, different types of free agents, because uh, they are different. Unrestricted free agents are players who've had, got at least four years of accru- in accrued seasons in the NFL. I'll tell you what an accrued season is in a little bit. And whose contracts is going to expire uh, following the season. Uh, an accrued year is defined as a season in which a player was on an NFL roster, including injured reserve for at least six weeks. Um, despite the fact that these players are classified as free agents, they're only able to sign a new contract with their current team uh, until the start of the new league year, which is March 17th. And the players are not allowed to negotiate or communicate with other teams, but they can negotiate with their current team. Unrestricted free agents count towards awarding of draft picks in the compensatory draft system. Um, so we, you, we've got that. We'll have that based upon uh, this previous year up when the league announces it, we'll have that. And we, we can kind of anticipate where they may go, but every unrestricted free agent is eligible for the franchise or transition tag that we just talked about, unless it's explicitly stated in the contract, you can write it into the contract in the paragraph five, that you don't want to be tagged. Okay, a team may apply the tag, whether the franchise or transition tag, as we said, to one player. Um, again, we've gone over the non-exclusive tag, the, ex- the um, exclusive tag, the transition tag. Um, there's usually waves or tiers to to free agency. The tier one players are the big name guys. You want to see the evaluation on LandryFootball.com of how we evaluate pro players and then how we translate the grades of the players into tiers, tiers one, tier twos, tier threes. We've got that for you. Restricted free agents, something that's not talked about nearly as much, but they're an important part of the free agent period. Restricted free agents are players that have at least three years of accrued services in the NFL. And due to changes in the draft process, uh, which now mandates four-year contracts, these players are almost exclusively undrafted free agents. So in this case, the team, you know, is going to rarely have this guy, but occasionally you do. Um, team can place, uh, again, uh, a tender 
on these guys. The highest tender that you could put is the first round compensation tender, meaning that if another team signs a player and the original team decides not to match it, which they can, then the new team will have to give the team that has the player first round pick as compensation because you put the highest tender. If the team does not own their own first round pick, then they're unable to sign such a free agent. If I tender a first round pick, a team that doesn't have a first, if I tender a player the highest tender and you don't have a first round pick, you can't sign him to an offer sheet. The other tenders are second round tenders and then uh, original draft round and finally the right of first refusal. The right of first, and, and it's the same thing, right? You put a second round tender, you get a second round. The original draft round tender is what? It's a lesser money, but if a guy's a fourth round pick, then the compensate if the compensation if you choose not to match it is that fourth round, the original round in which the player was signed, and so therefore an undrafted free agent fits into that, the category of no compensation there. Um, the um, teams have uh, the right of first refusal means you get no compensation if you decide not to match the offer sheet. Um, that's the last group. Teams have five days to match the offer sheet. And during that time period, the player will count on both teams' salary cap. Uh, the team's offer is a non-guaranteed, the tender offer is a non-guaranteed one-year contract amount based on the compensation level, based on salary cap estimates. Um, uh, once the restricted free agent period is complete teams will use the leverage to reduce the cost of these contracts specifically for the lower tendered player since they know the player's options are limited uh, what they'll do is offer the player for example uh, a minimum salary guaranteed bonus somewhere um, between 100 to 300,000 the total compensation is lower but there's some job security there just because a player's extended a tender doesn't mean that he can't find a new home Teams will sometimes work out trades for these players at a lower compensation level. For example, you can tender a player second round level with the hopes of trading him. Um, is you know if you feel like he's going to be unaffordable because he's too good of a player on their salary cap. Once the roster expands, you you, you don't you may want to make the the trade, and you can do that. You've got something called exclusive rights free agents. Players with less than two accrued seasons that are exclusive property of their former team, provided that the team makes a one-year tendered offer for the minimum salary based on the player's experience level. So for a player that was in his first year, you know, if it's like uh, 485, the team will place a tender in that 525 tender range then he's got an accredited season, an accrued season, as we call it. As long as you make a qualifying offer, uh, he's the property of the team and no, he can't go anywhere else. There's something else that we call street free agents. And these are players who's had contracts extended into a year, but were released, were released from their contract. Um, J.J. Watt would fall into that category. You're going to see players during this period 
be released, which is why free agent boards are, um, you know, changing constantly because due to salary dumps, you will see teams dump a player. You have to have evaluated him correctly. Now you get and and you know you don't have him on the board, but you've evaluated him. You got the great. Then you got to slot him in, and to look at all right. Here's the price. Here's the 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 previous contract. Here's the health history. Here's the playing history. Are we interested? We like him better than that guy. Where do we want to plug him in? That guy's free. Um, he's not on an active roster prior to the playoffs. We're free to sign future contracts in January. Uh, once the Super Bowl is complete, teams can begin to release players under contract for this upcoming year. And unlike restricted free agents who are not allowed to sign until the league year, these players are free to sign once they release from their contracts. Now, often it corresponds with the league year because what you're dealing with is trying to figure out other components to your team. Um, but unless a player is released from their contract in this period, they don't factor into the future plans. Now, contract terms um, is something that we want to get into vested guarantees a little bit and dead money. Um, agents will pump up numbers a great deal and will get a team to agree to big-time guarantees. Very often misreported. They're not real guarantees. They usually just cover injury, which means the teams are free 90 Five, 98% of the time to release the player is if the guarantee doesn't even exist. So um, it, at the start of the new league year, the injury guarantees vest on a certain date and become fully guaranteed if the player is still on the roster. And in some cases, the vesting aspect simply is in place to allow NFL teams to bypass a rule about setting aside money when a contract is signed to cover salary that's guaranteed for skill termination you can generally see this when you look at the construction of a contract and realize that the large salary cap penalties up front money paid in the first year of a contract are going to block the release of the player anyway. In most cases, it's simply throwing a bone to the agent who should realize that the guarantee is worth very little. But from a marketing standpoint of that agent, he loves to throw that money out. The media buys it hooks, link, and sinker. Oh, uh, hook, line, and sinker, and there you go. So there are periods of date in which um, you will hear regarding the guarantees. It's on the um, it, it, it's simply a way as the start of the league year takes place. It's usually the sixth day of the waiver period. It's simply a way of saying after the Super Bowl. So the fifth day of, that's the fifth day of the wa- waiving period means five days after the Super Bowl at at four p.m. Eastern time. Then that's that's the designated day. The, the most common vesting date is the sixth day of the league year, which is the the day of free agency. It's the third day of the league year. You hear a lot about dead money and cap savings. When a player is released from the contract and that player earned either a prorated bonus, such as a signing bonus, or is fully guaranteed future salary that still carries a charge in their cap for that player if he's cut, that's dead money because it's money spent on players no longer on the team. In general, the way you calculate dead money is to look at how much prorated money exists in the current year's contract and beyond and add it all together. He's got $5 million this year and $5 million the next year. That's $10 million of dead money. Um, 
So it's uh, that's that's the ten million dollar cap charge for that player by releasing him. So when you hear things like just release that bomb, it's just well, you look at it, you release that bomb, you pay ten million dollars to not have him on your team, and that's a player that's it's dead money. It's a it's a money you're paying for him even though he's not on your team. You have a lot of that. Um. And sometimes it's just a player, you know, the Saints will have that with Drew Brees. Player that's worth it, just he runs out of time to play. He just, you know, the, the cap savings that a team realizes is the is the player's current cap charge minus the dead money. This is the true impact on the team's salary cap. In general, uh, teams will look at the two financial items when releasing a player. So you get together and you look. One is the cap savings. The other is the, is the cash savings. The cash saving is all about the contract money in a given year. Um, besides the prorated bonus, if the amount of money saved can be used to sign a player who will make better contribution to the team, then the player is going to be released. If neither opens up enough space, um, to either the cap or cash bought, then the player has a good chance to stay on the team, even if it seems surprisingly based on the play the prior year. Um, player cut before June 1st uh, will have all the money count on the salary cap. Players cut after June 1st will only have the year's prorated money and all guarantees count on the cap and all future prorated money will count in that situation. Um, so you have to look at that, um, guarantees all accelerate into the current league year, which means that technically the previous year's league year, if a team does not have cap Roman remaining or already notified the NFL that they're carrying over their cap space to the next year, then certain players cannot be released until March 10th, their release would violate the salary cap because teams would not have enough cap room to execute the move. So that's why sometimes you hear, all right, well, they're going to hold off on releasing a guy until later restructured contracts. A restructured contract is one where a player simply agrees to convert a salary that counts in full in a given year to a signing bonus that can be prorated over five years. It's not a pay cut. If anything, it guarantees payment to a player on more favorable terms than his original contract, and it protects future earnings um, more as well. When a player says he'll restructure for the good of the team, P.S., all he's doing is he's understanding that he's going to take the money in different allocations. So it's a, it's a, way to understand it and it's a way to get around how things work. The last thing I'll talk about here on contracts and I don't if this sounds a little bit too technical, I apologize to those that like it. I hope you get it. We're going to have more t- details at landryfootball.com, but voidable contracts, teams sometimes can use void years in a contract for the purpose of salary cap relief. Generally, a team wants to sign a player for two, three-year period, but does not have the cap space to execute the contract because the NFL allows you to prorate up to five years. Teams add dummy years to a contract so they can prorate the bonus over a long term. 
I'm going to sign him to a three-year deal, but I'm going to sign him to a five-year. You don't have to do anything to earn the void. All you have to do is be on the roster, generally five days after the Super Bowl. Again, as I just explained, that to be on the remaining years of the of the contract uh, terminate terminating. Uh, once the contract voids, any future prorated money from those dummy years accelerates into the current salary cap. So the player becomes an unrestricted free agent just like any other player will have to wait until the beginning of the league year this year, March 17th, to sign with a new team. Usually if a contract voids, the player does not have to sign a new contract with his old team. A team would not allow the future money to accelerate if they really wanted to keep the player, you know, um, you could sign a player two years, say two years, $12 million contract. They included a, let's say a four and a half million dollar signing bonus. He's been given a normal two-year contract for the next two years. Cap charge would be 3.7 and 8.3 million respectively. That was too high. So that what they did is they added three dumb. You could do is add is up to say three dummy years to prorate the money over five years, rather than the two, the new cap hits were more affordable to four and six, nine, instead of um, four five and eight, three. So it gives you more cap room, but it's dumb years. It's avoidable years. Um, most teams don't like voidable years. Um, agents like it for obvious reasons. It, it benefits the player. Um, teams don't like it a lot, but in those, in some cases, as I've mentioned, you can absolutely see it because if you want to get a player, it creates an option. Um, you have other voidable years, which are the agent and the player can void a contract after certain years, which basically you've got the ability to uh, extend a uh, contract. Uh, basically, you can void the last year of the deal if you're the player or the team. Um, most don't like to do that. If they commit to a player, they want to have the rights to be able to say we want him or we don't want him. But so that gives you an idea of understanding. And um, hopefully that answers a lot of the questions that you, you, you get on um, that you'd be interested in. We're going to get into them, answer a couple of questions here in a second. Then we're going to get into some, what I call the free agent process um, that I think is, really important when it comes to looking at uh, the do's and don'ts, the philosophies, kind of what's the right way to go about um, approaching um, free agency. You know, a lot of it is kind of exciting and a lot of it's fun and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But I think people mistake it. And I think it's mostly bad value. We talk about that all the time. And so, you know, we want you to understand that while it's mostly bad value and uh, we want you to understand kind of what you're getting with, uh, with players there. Um, with regard to, um, let's see some questions that you might have, uh, this process, uh, can go on. Let's see here. Rich as back in Cleveland and Tennessee, what players did you use the franchise tag on? Um, actually we didn't, uh, usually felt like we had our players that, um, we, we threatened to use it or 
back in, I wouldn't call it threat. I guess it, it, it was there, but we were able to get a long-term deal. We usually made the move to sign a deal, a long-term on a guy or move on from him either way. Um, Jeffrey says, Chris, I see in mock drafts, the Saints possibly taking Mac Jones with the first pick. What is your opinion on him? Uh, first of all, don't pay attention to mock drafts. Mock drafts have no value. Mock drafts are inaccurate. And so I don't know why you'd pay much attention to them. Um, Mac Jones probably will not be there when the Saints pick. The Saints would have to trade up to get Mac Jones. I think Mac will uh, will probably be gone. Um, quarterbacks may be in play. It's going to be completely up to Sean. Um, Sean is a guy that likes to show how smart he is and how he's going to be able to take what he has. I think obviously we'll know a little bit about where they feel about Jameis Winston and to try to see what they can do with him. He and, and using Taysom Hill on his role, but I don't think, um, Mac Jones will be there. You notice that we talk, uh, and, and everybody gets into the mock drafts. And again, I'm constantly amazed that they're outside of maybe the first two, three picks, they're 99% wrong. And yet it's just, um, I, you know, it, people get up in arms about this or that. And they're, they're just, they're just guesses. I talk about, how players' values are, where there is in the draft, and then maybe where good fits would be. But exact picks become very, very difficult. Um, The free agent process. It starts, and I mentioned this last hour, with a self-evaluation process. It's, It's not like fans think. You know, most people on the outside will look and see, you know, watch their team's defensive backs getting beaten over the top. Um, And they said, well, we need help in the secondary. Well, maybe, maybe not. Only were that easy. Identifying the problem is the first step. By the time the offseason begins, every team, and I see some of your other questions there, we're going to get to them. Hold on. Um, But identifying the problem, is only the first step. By the time the offseason begins, every team has had a deep internal evaluation that touches everything, again, from capologists to your pro scouts to the coaching staff to the GM to ownership, supply and demand, character concerns, internal evaluations, prospects already on the roster, all of those things factor and must be considered properly to evaluate the benefit of any offseason move. And during this process, there's a vast amount of data and film and plethora of differing opinions, weighing considerations ranging from the objective, the on-field, the statistical production, to the highly subjective, the off-field relationships that form. And you view a player as people, not just as assets. It's a daunting and even sometimes an emotional exercise. The first step is to tap into the pro scouting department, as I mentioned last hour to construct a big board of talent likely to be available in free agency. Then the hard part comes after the conclusion of the regular season is sliding your own players onto that board. Who's pulling their weight? Where might there be an upgrade? Whose talent isn't matching the cap hit? Who is ready to carry a heavier load? 
who is starting to decline, who's starting to have a bad year. Those questions are answered through the analysis of your scouting and coaching staff and occasionally an independent scouting service after spending a season staring at every aspect of your roster and often working with players for multiple seasons. I found it very helpful to weigh an outside opinion against our internal evaluations. You evaluate players and you know the pro personnel grading system by now. Seven, four to seven, nine are blue players. They're the top graded players in the league. Um, they're players that make the difference in close games. They have superior talent, consistently makes plays. Seven, four is one of the top handful of players in the league, if not the best. Seven, fours are one of the top players in the league. They're blue graded. Red players. Red players will win for you. They're graded six, nine to six, five. They have starter type production in the league. The top line reds are usually blue in either the run or pass game, but fall short in the other. Reds are impact players and start on contending teams. Six nines are one of the best players in the edit position in the league. You must game plan for their presence. Six five are high level players at the position in the league. They cause some matchup problems. <clears throat> Purple grady players or players that you can win with, even if they're not players that can win for you. They're graded 6'4 to 6'0. They're usually red in some areas and can match up with some uh, reds, but overall far short of reds. Purples are very good players. They are solid starters. They usually get the job done, at least in some areas. The pro personnel axiom is to not play anyone below a purple. The 6'4 are the upper tier in the solid starter category and are close to being red and may even be red in some areas, some critical factor areas. The critical factors obviously got many, many critical factors at each position. You can find out what those critical factors are where they are along with our free agent and our draft boards. 6-0 grades are solid starters, but not on the verge of being in the reds and may even be close to trending to oranges. Oranges could be declining veterans or someone lacking in special and tangible traits. Um, greens are 5'9 to 5'5, five, five, and basically greens are young player with upside potential. They've got lots of physical ability with inexperience, the only thing holding them back. Or, um, you know, in, in, in the 5'9s are a little bit better than the 5'5s five, in the green area. So you want to have everybody in that area that are playing and contributing greatly. Oranges, the 5-4 to 5-0 grades, are, is one that has backup ability and our production. Might have ability, but he doesn't produce. Might have been great, but not great now. It's not a... Well, this guy is this. This is what the guy graded. This is what the guy graded week one, week two, week three, week 16, in the playoffs, whatever. And you look at that and study that. Did he get better during the course of the season? Why? Did he get worse during the course of the season? Why? You have to factor in injuries. You have to factor in who you play. Did he play better against? He's an offensive tackle. He graded out better against the weaker pass rushers. Well, go figure. You know, you have to factor all that in. So while you look at it and study it, very often what's misunderstood is um, you are looking at the result and you don't 
maybe understand the process and you don't understand who they're doing it against. So an orange player is one with backup ability and or backup production. They don't match up versus reds and are dominated by blues. An orange would make your squad only if they're a red or blue special team. So you could have that. You could have a guy that is a red or even a blue special teams cover guy, but is, you know, also your fourth back. But as a running back, he grades an orange special teams. He grades a blue. He has value. Um, he has really good value. Might give you 600 snaps a year, make him real good value and not only have value, but worth paying a little money to. So a five, four, is an orange and a five O is an orange. A five four is a player with orange production, but may have purple or above physical or intangible traits. We have done it before. Um, five O is a player who will never be more than a backup on a roster and one that must replace unless he's a blue or red special teamer. Uh, a yellow, a four nine to four five is one who lacks the ability and skills to contribute even as a backup or some serious medical or character issues that's lead to the production. Four nines players, it's just not good enough, at some, but may have some qualities to develop into a backup at some point. Um, the four five is a player you just think is not good enough. A gray player is an injured player. Um, so that's the grading scale. Now, you take that grading scale and you, you transfer it into what we call free agent identification grading system, tier one, two, two, and tier three. Tier one is a starter, very productive player, quality position, who has longevity. Okay. This is not J.J. Watt. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. He doesn't have longevity. He's got to fill all of those categories. Shouldn't have any flags. Flags would be injuries, character, age. Must be a blue or red graded player. Can be a long-term contract if he's that. Now. You can, as I said with, said J.J. Watt, you can give him a short-term deal, an incentivized contract, has some ability. A rare elite player that will make it to free agency is the Tier 1. Just, it doesn't, it's rare, it's unusual, um, because you're not going to have that guy. There's a reason a guy gets to free agency. The team that has him and knows him the most is not going to sign him. He's still good, but tier one quality starter is rare. It happens. It's rare. Tier two. And and again, that's a blue or red in a tier one. Tier two. Guy that can compete for a starter position, role player, can step in and play at a decent level. It's a shorter contract guy, can be a special veteran, usually a purple graded player. Two-year deal with some guaranteed money is the ideal direction here. So if you get some of the elite guys, and, you you know, you can look at it. And I mentioned it. Well, certainly Dak Prescott would fit in the category of a red, a tier one. Probably going to be tagged. Chris Godwin, probably tagged or signed. Robinson, Shaq Barrett. You get the picture here? Most of these guys are going to fit into the category of too good. They're not going to let them out the door. They're going to put the tag on them. <laughs> so. The best guys available usually start in tier two. Oh, there's some tier ones. They are. 
but sometimes they're tier one graded, meaning that they have been graded in the reds or blues, but they're declining and they're not worth tier one long-term range money. So they're in, they have one of those flags, the tier three. And, and I believe tier two, you can get these guys very often in the second wave of free agency. And I think it's really the best value you can get. Compete for a starting position, short-term deal, good value money. The, the, the big price they thought they would get has come down. You get bargains, like shopping on sale, if you will. Tier three is the backup guy. Okay, These are positions 39 to 53 in the roster. They're roster fillers. You like them to be purple, but they can be orange, particularly if they're really good on special teams and they're like a like a red special teamer. Look for one or two year deal, no guaranteed money. <clears throat> so that's the grading system and the grading tiers. And we've got by position in Landry football who those players are in which category they follow this year. Here's the thing that you need to understand: some things we're going to go over about free agency. Um, free agency is mostly, not always, mostly bad value. What does mostly mean? 80 to 85% of the time, it's a bad value prospect, not a bad prospect, not a bad player, bad value, because the team will always look to keep their guy if he's that good. So there's something about the guy. That is J.J. Watt was a great player, can be really a good situational player, got injuries, you know, their issues, their circumstances. So when a player reaches free agency, it's mainly because his team, the people that know him best, decided that his projected production will not match the price of his contract demands. Doesn't mean he's not good. He's the guy that really good. He's worth five. But the open market, somebody's going to give them eight. It's like, here's the way I would put it. And I know this is not completely out, but just give me some leeway here. You go on a car lot, you like a car, you're buying a car for your your kid. It's a $20,000 car. I mean, you, you, a kid needs a car. If somebody on the lot offers twenty five, you're not going to up your. I mean, it's not a, it's not an app deal because you can go to plenty of car lots. I get that, but the point is, is you have to know the value of a player. Player's good. What is the monetary value? A lot of teams don't understand that, and so all of a sudden they pay average players good money, good players great money, great players obscene money. And then what they have is a team that's not good enough and no way to get better because they can't sign their homegrown players. And, and it's just it's a vicious cycle of, man, they're trying, but I don't know what's going on. Well, that's why. They're not evaluating players correctly. Evaluating players is not just about evaluating in the draft. It's about evaluating, not just about evaluating or in the league and pro personnel. It's about it starts at home. Evaluating with your team. Now, with that said, 80, 80, 85% I gave you, 15 to 20% of the times players can be on the market simply because the team is being squeezed by the cap. I think the Bucs have some good players on the market. 
Uh, it's going to be difficult to get them all done. Now, Levante David, do you want to give him a big long-term deal? I'd be careful with that, but I think he has value. Hunter Henry is a really good player. I think he's a red-grade player, but he's had injuries. That's a flag. So, again, he may fit into a category, but he's got a flag. So you got, you've got you got 20% of the time a player can be on the market because you got issues. Sometimes you just – you got four guys. They come up at the same time. And, by the way, teams are pretty good at this. You need to stagger your contracts. If you got four good players whose salary are coming up at the same time, you haven't done it right because those guys should have been signed the year before so that you can mitigate those losses. So that, cause you, again, you got only one tag you can use any way you choose to use it and you better get the other guy signed or they're going out the door somewhere else. Sometimes can teams can be the victim of their own success. They end up with too many good players who all require too much money to keep and they're forced to part ways. Good strategical planning to get guys locked up could mitigate this players coming from that circumstances are often better investments, but they're few and far between. So fat free agent players usually fall into one or two categories. Role players are players past their prime. There are rarely difference makers available in free agency. They are some. Don't say, but what about Reggie White? There are some. But they're rarely. Understand that. We're talking percentages, not absolutes. <clears throat> Understand this and why it's not good value. The salary cap doesn't forgive and it doesn't forget. You must get something of value. You must get immediate production and longevity out of the signing. A free agent must be able to give you a minimum of 600 plays per year. If you're going to sign an incentivized contract and spot play a pass rusher like J.J. Watt, you can get away with that, but you're not going to give big money for that. Quarterback second contracts take up a large percentage of the cap. So if you've got a good quarterback, you better get that deal done. You better plan accordingly because second contracts for a quarterback is going to be costly. More mistakes are made in free agency at the corner position, cornerback position than any other. How you play the corner, what you ask them to do, can make a guy look completely different. You can't be the Philadelphia Eagles and sign Nande Asamoah to be an elite corner when he's his own corner and you're going to ask him to play play man, play press man. It's just it, a playoff. Just dumb moves. People, a lot of times, more and more today, you've got people in front offices that don't have a coaching background that don't understand certain things and they're making decisions, got coaching changes and whatnot, and they want to do this and do that. And it, it, it it's a disaster. You give long-term deals for young ascending players only. If a player is 26 years old, do not give him a five-year contract, even if he's a tier one player and never sign a high-risk injury player to a long-term deal. That's about the dumbest thing you can do. Do not give a four-year contract or longer to a player 28 or old. I don't care how, if he's a tier one player. Don't do it. A player has to fill a need and fit. You can draft a player 
that you think might be a really good corner, but you know can be a really good safety and develop them. You can't do that in free agency. You must evaluate the player, establish the fit, establish the right price, and you must, must, with a capital M-U-S-T, fill needs and make sure the player is a specific schematic fit for your team. Never, ever, never, ever, 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 ever sign a player and change his technique or his schematic fit. It just doesn't work. I think this guy can be a good zone lineman. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. No, make damn sure that he's his own lineman. If that's what you're looking for. Free agency has a place in building your roster. If you find the right player to fit the right need and the right scheme at the right price, but you must make sure of the precise reason you're signing them. Be aware of the player who's a contract year wonder whose production dramatically increases in their contract year is you're more likely to be paying for the production of the contract year while getting the production for those non-contract years. Don't forget injury replacements, practice squads cost money too. teams that have enough cap room to be able to sign replacements during the course of the year are usually the teams that finish strong. You see teams that struggle, get off the good starts, have injuries. They have weak bottom end of the roster. You must build your roster from the bottom up just as you do from the top down. It's really important to understand that. You must have at least six to seven million in cap resources for replacement of injured players. Ideally, 10 million. Anything below six, you're in trouble. You want to have 10. If you can, 12, you must have a million dollars of cap space allocated for practice squad guys. Actually, it's a little bit more than that. Eight players on the practice squad. The money's going up. You've got to have money allocated for that. Ask yourself this question. Do you have to sign that player? Do you need to sign that player? Or would you like to sign that player? If you say, I'd like to sign so-and-so, walk away. If you need to, think about it. If you have to sign him at the right price and he fits the category, go get him. I've said it before. I said it again. 600 plays or walk away. For example, you might not be a starting corner, but he might be a 600-play-a-year guy. He plays nickel. He's a core special teamer, plays on all four special team units. I mean, core special teamer is going to be a 250-play-a-year guy alone. He has really good value. So he might be a low-grade purple, maybe a high-grade orange, but he might be a a really good, high-level, red-grade special teamer, and you can get him for a solid price. Guys work. Worth gold. Stick to your budget. If you spend recklessly, there's inevitably going to become a time when you need the money and you no longer have. And spending tier one money on tier two players is going to inflate what you have to pay your tier one player. The other thing is financial chemistry. You can't sign a player for more than the team leader, your best player to position. You know, 
If you've got a great receiver and you say, Paul, we need a slot, the best slot on the market. We're going to, we got cap room. We're going to give him whatever he wants. First of all, he's not worth that. He comes in, he's now making more money than the leader in that room. You got financial chemistry problems. Okay. You got to reward loyalty, production, maintain a balanced cost structure within your team because it's bad locker room chemistry chemistry. And this is where oftentimes you see really talented teams that are not really good. They have bad chemistry and it's not always about coaching problems. It's about construct of a team. It's a front office problem. Third down value. Okay. Don't spend big money for a player that doesn't play well on third down. That's money down in the NFL. If he's not on a field in third down, don't pay upper tier money. I'm not saying don't sign a free agent unless he plays on third. I'm just saying don't pay upper tier money. Know for sure what you're getting. Know the player well. Be informed as possible. Be really careful. You want to make sure that you know about his practice habits, the off-the-field habits, his football intelligence, personal shortcomings. You really try to salvage as much as you can with coaches that you know, that that contacts that you have that coach the player, that knows the player, that can answer those things, that it's coached that player, that can tell you privately what the guy is or not. Maybe it's a, another person that really knows. So you got to go back to your draft evaluation, even if the guy's been in the league five years. Get to know him. Uh, if you want to know what makes Deshaun Watson tick, go study. Go and, you know, if I want to know, I'm talking to Bill O'Brien. I'm talking to Dabble Swinney. I'm talking to people that are there, not there. I'm going to know. N- not that there's any doubt on Deshaun Watson. That's That would be a go, and that's a different conversation. That's a trade. But I'm just using it as an example because – there's a lot of talk about, well, what's wrong with Deshaun and why is he unhappy? If you're going to make a trade, that's a, another example. You make sure that you know what you're getting. You know what's going on there. Save money for something important, okay? If you're not ready to contend, you know, save money for something important. Don't believe that your culture is going to change a player. You're not one player away. Ignore the noise. You're going to be criticized because you don't – the 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 charter sheet about we didn't sign this many guys and everybody signing the activity is not success. In fact, the most activity usually means the least amount of success on the field. Your local media and your fan base is going to be unhappy because I don't know. All I see is we're losing guys, not signing guys. Plug that into every sports talk show host. That's what they use. We're not doing anything. And remember this. A free agent loss hurts more to the team that lost him than it helps the team that he goes with. So always keep that in mind. So those are some some thoughts. So let's get to some questions before we head on out. Um, uh, let's see here. What was your scouting evaluation? Jordan Gross out of Utah. Very athletic zone blocking lineman. Julius Peppers was a freak out of North Carolina, you ask. Uh, basketball player type athlete. Uh, unbelievable. Um, wondering if it's a negative thing between a GM and a player, if a team picks up a fifth year option rather than doing long-term contracts, thinking about job Mayfield. Well, it can be, uh, I mean, because what it's saying, it's saying, I'm not quite sure about you. Um, it, it, I'm not sure about 
you know, how good you are, your reliability character-wise, your injuries, it could be any one things. But remember this now. For a running back, it's lifespan of the position. It, it's it's what you've got to communicate with them. And I think you got to be honest and say, look, this is what we want. We we want to see. Um, I think in terms of Mayfield, I think there's there's a like there. I think there's a belief there, but I don't think there's a complete all in. Picking up the fifth year option is definitely something that is a fun thing to watch. Really good question there. Uh, talk about um, another thing. Mock drafts people tend to change them every week. <laughs> These guys have been gathered and never scouted before, so yeah, it's it's definitely not necessarily all that interesting. Do you think this is why first round picks are so valuable now because teams are building through the draft and not free agency? Well, first round picks have always been valuable, but they're here's the thing. You didn't always have the free agency that we have now. So if you miss on a first round pick, it's, 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 it's crucial. It's the reason why all picks first round. I would say that second, third round picks are even more valuable. First round draft picks in general are more valuable. You can sign a guy, you can draft a guy in the fifth or sixth round that is every bit as good as the guy that I just talked about that could be maybe not as experienced yet, but a guy that might be that category of the orange grade player that's in the maybe the second, third wave of free agency. You don't have to pay nearly as much and ends up being a better player and might end up being a quality starting corner that's grading in the reds one day. It's a much better value. Happens all the time. People say, well, I, I, this guy, he's fifth round. I, you only got 32 first-round picks. Most players are not going to be, most players that in the league are not first-round picks. Pure numbers, common sense. So why do so many guys in the third, second, third, and fourth, fifth round make it? Because you got 53-man rosters, and you got only one first-round pick. Most of your players are not going to be first-round picks. It's just pure numbers. What's a problem is when your first round picks don't are not successful. And people will say, well, your second round picks, the percentage rates and all this or that. Uh, depends. Depends on who you are and how well you do it. Yeah, you you can't look at just, well, second round picture, only 50, 50. Um, depends on who you are. I didn't have 50% rate on mine, but you have more stability on your staff. You're going to be a lot better. You're constantly changing it. Well, yeah, you draft the guy and I draft the guy and then I change the staff and that guy doesn't fit their system. Well, that's, you know, is that guy still playing in the league? Am I lining up against him? Is he beating me? That's important. If the guy's not in the league, you, you got an issue. First round picks, Jeff, second round picks, they're all valuable. Draft picks are more valuable than ever before. Hey, run out of time. Check out. The Chuck Oliver Show coming up right now on the uh, Chris Landry Twitch channel. Check out this Landry Football Podcast. Check out LandryFootball.com. We'll be back next Thursday breaking down um, this Landry Football Podcast next Thursday at 9 a.m. Central. Had to get it out earlier this week. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next week, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.